keep on kissing babies and hugging fat girls. Full of suffering, suck attach, son. It's me, Austin. Oh, son of a bitch. What? It's me, Austin. It was me all along, Austin. And you teeth look like two tight too, Billy. And you book a match with me. That's right, Killing. Look at me. I'm a total package. I will rip him apart. I'm pissed now. Where to, Stephanie? <laughs> Wrestle Roasts on ad-free shows and ATC. Welcome everybody to Wrestle Roasts and the Roast of Booker T. How's everybody doing? How you doing, Mike, Robert, and Scott? Present. Okay. Yeah. Here. <laughs> Mike, yeah, uh, are we acting like it's the Roast of Stevie Ray? The Roast of Booker <laughs> T. <laughs> yeah, man, can you dig it, sucker? We're yeah. doing great. Yeah, yeah. We, 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 you guys answered that like you were Booker T, who just read his booking for the night. <laughs> um, I hurt my back doing a spinner Rooney, so it's been a real <laughs> shitty day. Well, folks, uh, before we get to old Booker T, uh, some shows coming up next week. We got the roast of Lex Luger, the roast of British Bulldog, our big SummerSlam episode, the roast of The Rock, the roast of JBL, the roast of Lawrence Taylor. The Roast of the Bella Twins, the Roast of AJ Styles, and the Roasts of the Honky Tonk Man. This coming week's Something to Sports Entertainment, me and Robert are going to be covering Monday Night Raw. Also, you, you got a you bonus episode. We got a couple bonus episodes this week if you're in the $5 tier. You got me, Mike, and, and Scott talking about uh, action figures and wrestling, and uh, me and Scott breaking down this week's fight for the fallen. So uh, that's, that's just the kind of love you're going to get if you become a patron. It's the best best deal in Patreon history, folks. <laughs> I, I Robert, should we should we have invited you to the action figure one? I just figured you watched so much stuff already. <laughs> uh, I I would have I would have done fine on the action figure one. But you would have. We're going to do more because um, I asked our, our Facebook page, our lovely Russell Rose Facebook page, and people were like. Yeah, I want to hear you talk about action figures. I'm always self-aware. I think I think that I'm boring people, but, you know, we did it for an hour and a half. We talked about all of the reveals uh, this weekend from San Diego. And uh, did, did you see, Robert, there's a goon action figure coming out. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, it's, it's a Thomas Hayden Church and Sideways action figure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. Well, you could just get your Heyman to be Giamatti, so it kind of works. Dude, my day yesterday was talking wrestling action figures with you guys, watching three hours of Raw, and then talking Raw for an hour with Robert. So that explains why you were the that was the bitterest you ever were. <laughs> after like I was the bright ray of sunshine of like, hey, this wasn't half bad. You're like, fuck Raw. <laughs> it's amazing because for years Dan was like the ogre from Revenge of the Nerds of my friends of like nerds, and he was like, yeah, that Dominic looks kind of cool. So I think. He used all of his positivity to talk about toys. And by the time he got to like you, he's like, fuck Nikki Cross. <laughs> Almost a wrestler. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, you're right. Uh, August 2nd, the rest of Billy Corgan. This is our Patreon schedule, by the way. Patreon schedule. August 2nd, we got the rest of Billy Corgan, which is uh, this, this coming Monday. 
Uh, August 9th, we're off. August 16th, Wrestling's Dumbest Criminals. August 23rd, we're going to review the first ever TNA pay-per-view, which you can get on YouTube. It is a fucking doozy. August 30th, the roast of Vince Russo, who we're going to be talking about a little bit today when we talk about uh, the time he won the WCW World Heavyweight Championship on Nitro. That's coming up a little bit. The reverse and the reverse battle royal at TNA. September 6th, we're off. September 13th, we're doing all the bright sides we never got a chance to do. That's Bret Hart, Goldberg, the Hardy Boys, the Million Dollar Man, the Big Show, Shane McMahon, and Baron Corbin. September 20th, pay per view. Uh, whatever pay-per-view that's going to be. Um, I'm, I'm sure it's going to be a like Clash of the Champions or, or something. September 27th, we're going to be off. And October 4th, folks, uh, for Patreon, we're going to be doing the Roast of Alberto Del Rio. No. So we got a lot of a lot of fun shit going up. Uh, let's get, get to your the bail money ready now, guys. <laughs> did, did you say we, we have an open slot for September? Well, we have, we have, roasting uh, sunny. Oh, <laughs> we have, uh, we have, we have a couple weeks off, but we can, we can, we'll probably add something. I mean, we're now doing, you know, I mean, we can add something if you want. What do you want to do? I would like to add something, which yeah. is, um, you know, we, we, I was talking to Scott last week and he hasn't seen some of the early WrestleManias. And I figure WrestleMania 2, one of the <laughs> worst shows. Of all time, <laughs> I got nervous and thought you were going to say four, but uh, you, you know, here's the thing: four is terrible. Four is not even fun. That's that's the thing. Four is a slog. Two is two isn't bad. You get a lot of merry heart. Yeah, four. Well, it's also the like, best heart in wrestling. Well, it's also <laughs> you know, four is basically like watching you know SmackDown matches at the Rolling Loud Festival. It's literally the same thing. <laughs> Well, okay, so September 20th and September 27th, one of those will be whatever WWE pay-per-view is coming up, and one will be WrestleMania 2. So our September is action-packed, folks. You excited for WrestleMania 2? Oh, I sure am. Thanks for getting me a ticket, Mike. Yeah, Terry Terry Funk's on that card. Got Hogan and Bundy uh, and a bunch of celebrities that you will not know, and a lot of them are dead. Oh, no, I might know them. Clara Peller, you know Clara Peller. Does she sing something? No, she was the Where's the Beef lady, and they. Oh, I know the Wendy's. Where's the Beef lady? Speaking of Wendy's, uh, the guy we're roasting today robbed a few. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're we're gonna get to that at the rest of Booker T, but but it's time to talk about the bright side of Booker T, Scott. Since you brought up Wendy's, uh, what's uh, what's bring some things you love about Booker Man? I love I love Booker T. I was there. I don't know if it started the invasion, but it was at Madison Square Garden the night where Steve Austin was out looking for Shane McMahon and Booker T. And then Booker T showed up at the end of the end of Raw and hit somebody. And it was like, oh, man, the invasion is starting. I was there for that. And I thought it was really cool. I did not watch WCW. But when I did change the channel to WCW, Booker T was the one person that I liked a lot and that I wanted to see in WWE. Uh, I just thought he was cool. And, uh, and I was right. He's, he was a great wrestler and uh, super entertaining, genuinely funny. Like, I remember him being thrown into shit that nobody else would have pulled off. Like, you know, the thing with him and, and, and Goldust actually worked. King Booker was funny and then, like, would turn on serious at any given moment. Uh, he was really good at that. 
yeah, I just thought he was awesome, man. The supermarket thing with Austin is like genuinely iconic at this point. Uh, I, I, I thought it was amazing. And, and so much of it has to do with the way he sold. I liked his tag team with Rob Van Dam. Whoo, I liked his matches with Chris Benoit, those best of sevens and stuff. Uh, yeah, just like an actual Booker T fan. I like him. Robert. I was a fan of Booker T uh, back when I used to watch GWF and, and first saw his character and when he was in what eventually became Harlem Heat. And, and he was really talented and, and impressive back then. And Stevie Ray was also there. Uh, Booker T is one of the few guys who really transitioned from being a long established tag wrestler and then became a wildly successful single star long after people thought it was going to be possible. He was one of the only bright spots in WCW for that last year and a half of the company and transcended so much when he was in WWE, he became a legitimate main eventer. Uh, he was an absolute pleasure to work with uh, Scott, to your point, no matter what we gave him, no matter how ridiculous he got it. And he's like, yeah, let's do it. This is going to be great. When it was, we're going to make uh, your wife, Charmel nag you. And, and that's going to get healed. He's like, I love it. It's going to be awesome. He was all in for it. He loved doing King Booker. He loved doing the, the ridiculous British accent and the pinky. And we know that he's a legitimate tough guy who doesn't need to do this shtick. He throws his heart into it and he made it a lot of fun. His in-ring work was, was always spectacular and Look, I mean, all you really need to know is that Bad Bunny, who's probably the biggest artist in the world of his own volition, wrote a rap song about Booker T. And it's what led to Bad Bunny coming into WWE. But he wasn't just a WWE wrestling fan. He was a huge Booker T fan. And that is a testament to how big of a crossover star Booker T was in spite of really bad booking for the majority of his career. Mike, were you a Booker T guy? Yeah. Sucker. A hundred percent. He's, he's one of the guys that got me back in and, and made me stay. Um, I love the gold dust, uh, the segments, the review of Scorpion King, yeah, the chemistry. <laughs> I mean, he's a guy, you know, when we talked about angle as that like guy can do everything, you know, you know, you'd say that about angle. You'd say that about Guerrero, uh, Jericho. I'd say that about Booker, you know, uh, really great promo. Um, funny when he wants to be serious when he needs to be uh, um really good in the ring you know he he could have great matches if if he needed to or wanted to um you know uh i think that yeah i mean of all the king gimmicks you know i didn't grow up with lawler i know he had it the longest but of the guy who wins a king of the ring and then becomes a king i think booker's the best i'm even gonna say it. i'm a big savage guy i think even better than macho king uh, wow, and and because Macho Man was already over, Macho Man didn't need that, and he could have been a heel anyways. It really, I thought, rejuvenated Booker. I thought it, yeah, really it helped him. Man. I thought it was really fun. With uh, he's a close second for me. Owen is still number one as far as kings, as far as like you know, using that for a full year and getting the most out of it. Yeah, King but, of Hearts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it, it's it's definitely a close second. There, there's yeah, a debate and Mabel, on those course, two. But, well, and Bo Booker ended up winning the title during. Uh, yeah, he beat Mysterio. Ray Mysterio, yeah, yeah, when Chavo turned on him. 
BB Ray, and it was great because his court, for as goofy as it was, it was Regal and Finley just yeah. being ridiculous <laughs> killers. Uh, it was one of the best kind of stables that were that were low key put together. Even though it was kind of a goofy angle, they all were vicious, and it worked. And Charmel was great too with him when she's like King Booker, like sure, Charmel was oh, awesome. You know, you know what it was was that he was having so much fun that you were cool with it, like. A gimmick doesn't work when you could see how miserable the performer is. And look, like there's gimmicks where the gimmick probably sucks and even the wrestler doing it hates it, but they get it over. They're having fun. So you don't notice like this thing could have gone either way. And he really made it shine. I think as um, someone in terms of PR that's in their machine, um, you know, like a forever staple guy at, at the beginning of shows. He's great, you know, because he has so much yet genuine enthusiasm. I know he's also, right, a promoter, a trainer. He's trained a lot of people. Like, this dude fucking loves wrestling. I mean, the way he tells it, it seems like wrestling really saved his life in a genuine way, and he's used that to help other people. I, I think he seems like one of the great human beings in wrestling you don't really hear a lot of bad about booker um he seems like an overall like awesome dude even in tna he's fun and that's hard to do yeah it's like all his fuck-ups come from his youth and yeah you know you look back at it you go i wish i fucked up more in my youth you know uh i'd probably be a better person for it and and, and that's what booker comes off like it's like he he went through it and as far as i've seen yeah just like a, a solid dude even like uh I mean, to be a WCW guy and I mean to, you know, that five time, five time, five time WCW champion for, for the angle for him to come in on is the invasion angle. And he still feels like more of a WWE guy than any other WCW guy ever. I can't think of one other WCW guy that feels like a WWE guy. And I think it's because Booker kind of came in and stepped up. Uh, yeah. And it says a lot too that. He could, you know, a lot of those guys sat and took their Turner checks. Like, yeah, this dude showed up and he fucking worked hard. And, you know, you know, look, man, yeah, he did get bad angles. He did get buried by Hunter. <laughs> like, that's just the truth. Um, and still fucking showed up every day. And uh, it's also because I feel like a lot of those WCW guys, you know, when they eventually came, we had Nash, we had Goldberg and, the, you know, Hogan. We, they did like their little runs. They were there for their contracted time and they were gone. Yeah. Booker. Yeah. Like you said, he, I'd say him and Mysterio of those like, for sure, to like WCW guys where they left and then they were immediately just, they're just WWE guys forever. I mean, became like a locker room leader, like, you know, putting, you know, fighting Batista on a commercial shoot and everybody's on Booker's side in the story. Yeah. And, 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 you know, people, and I also, I, you know, in, in, cause I didn't know too much about Booker like backstage wise, but when he, like his first interaction with Austin, he like drops him on the announce table and he hurt Austin, he injured Austin. And it was like, oh no, this is the first time I touched the guy and I hurt him. I'm fucked. And then Austin went to bat for him, you know? So, uh, well, yeah, I mean, a, a person worthy of going to bat for but, but, the thing with him and Bagwell, you know, like, there were WCW was supposed to be its own thing. And I mean, I know this is bright side, so I'm not going to dwell on the negatives of it, but you know, Vince, you know, the company still saw something in the right guy. Uh, 
in that match. Yeah. Well, Booker yeah, it's, got it's, the huge pop when Vince did the I bought WCW and he starts naming guys that should be fired or not. The pop for Booker T was genuine and it was loud. And I think that surprised a lot of people in the back that his his gimmick was so over and it came fully formed. When he came into WWE, it was his WCW music which was a Jimmy Hart song, so it was easy to plug in. It was the exact same catchphrases. It was the same Spinner Rooney. They tried to divert him pretty quickly by saying, all right, you're a rock ripoff. We're going to put you in there with The Rock. And he's shown, and he continued to grow and evolve as opposed to a lot of the other WCW guys that were either repackaged or just were like, this is one and done for me. Yeah, when I was doing Booker T research this week, like there was only one wrestler he refused to job to, and it was Matt Morgan and TNA. And that's completely understandable. <laughs> you know, like most of the times, like we hear like, like somebody refusing a job and we're like, oh, Brad is such a douchebag. But like with Booker T, he's like, yeah, you shouldn't fucking job to Matt Morgan. And in hindsight, yes, you were right. Don't job to Matt Morgan. Um, that's ridiculous. Uh, my notes for uh, Booker T, I, th- I think the reason we hate WrestleMania, the 19 WrestleMania, WrestleMania 19 burial so much is because we love Booker T. It, it has less to do with Booker, like Triple H burying someone and more to do with Booker T. Um, you know, Hall, his, his Hall of Fame radio show uh, is pretty good, man. I mean, he provides an alternative view to AEW at, without sounding like an idiot because I think like Mark Henry and Disco Inferno just kind of sound like guys who don't understand wrestling. And Booker T, although I don't ag- always agree with him, I'm like, oh, okay, like I appreciate what he's saying here for everything he wasn't on commentary he is on radio i turned his life around completely um he more importantly i I, he was talking about like like you know how the the deaths of you know eddie and benoit affected him and and that's how and he realized he goes okay well there's way more to life post wrestling and that and that's the reason that he left wwe he was you know he was slated for it for another probably babyface push with King Booker, because that's where it was going. And he was like, you know what? I, I made my money. I'm, I'm going to try to see what else. This well, hold on, about. though. I don't know where you read that, because I know he also left WWE because he failed the wellness policy and he disagreed with the suspension. So he was like, I'm I read it from Booker T. So <laughs> you could oh. be yeah, no, he was right. he was on the list of uh, when that pharmacy got raided. That was yeah. mailing pharmaceuticals. He was off. His name was on the list. He claims that it was not a violation. Whatever was getting sent to him was prescribed or, or what have you, but it was enough for him to turn around and go to the bastion of health that is TNA. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, yeah, amazing theme song. King Booker should have sucked, but didn't. And if you don't, if you don't believe me, look at King Corbin, King Mabel, or King Sheamus. I, we haven't even talked about how Harlem Heat was one of the greatest tag teams of all time. I mean, and it was all him, you know, like with the Hart Foundation, with Edge and Christian, you know, you, you know, Anvil pulled his weight and Christian more than more so pulled his weight, I think, even than, you know, Stevie Ray and and Jimmy Anvil. Uh, but with book with Harlem Heat, it really was Booker T. And if, if you don't believe me, check out Harlem Heat 2000. Um, he's first uh, black non-mixed race champion ever five-time WCW world heavyweight champion six-time WCW television champion 11-time WCW tag champion WWE world heavyweight champion three-time WWE tag team champion the intercontinental champion four-time United States champion king of the ring two-time WWE hall of famer and Luth as award winner the guy has had a hell of a run is he, in the, is he in the observer hall of fame 
No, I don't think he will be because he uh, he told Meltzer to go. <laughs> he like Meltzer tried to. This is actually definitely should be in Brightside for you, Mike. Have you heard this story? No, no, no. Oh, this is this, by all means. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, apparently, like I guess Bischoff and Booker T were on the Jericho cruise, just sitting down and eating. And then Meltzer tried to sit down with him, and he goes, "What the hell are you doing, man? You're not a fucking wrestler. Get out of here." <laughs> and. Oh, Booker T, uh, Booker T just basically like chewed out Meltzer in front of the boys. So I don't think he's ever going to be in the Wrestler Observer Hall of Fame. Yeah, and he's entertaining. So there's just two strikes. <laughs> but uh, that's awesome. That's definitely a bright side. Because <laughs> it's yeah. also like Booker T is so over. Like, what could Dave say to that? Yeah. Also, not the first time Dave ate alone in the lunchroom. <laughs> <laughs> that's his origin story. <laughs> you guys want to roast Booker T? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Let's start out with you, Scotty. Oh, all right. Let me uh, let me open it up. <clears throat> okay, here we go. Before Booker T, the only time Vince McMahon heard, "Can you dig it, sucker?" Jimmy Snooker was asking about a grave. <laughs> <laughs> In WCW, Book and Chris Benoit had an amazing best of seven series. They never made it to eight, and neither did Daniel. Oh, Jesus Christ. On TV, Booker T would break dance. On OnlyFans, Sonny will dance because she's broke. By the time Booker was 13, both of his parents died, prompting Jake Roberts to call him a lucky bastard. <laughs> Booker has spent time behind bars not to be confused with behind a bar, which is where Marty Jannetty will suck your dick. <laughs> yes, he went to prison. If you're not familiar, prison is what straightened out wrestlers before DDP yoga. <laughs> he learned the spin rooney in jail as a way to pick up soap he dropped. Uh, like sympathy pussy after Pearl Harbor, he was the only good to come from the invasion. Steve Austin beat him up in a supermarket, marking the first time since jail that he took produce on the face. <laughs> he fought for the title at WrestleMania in a feud that showed Triple H's love for the Triple K. <laughs> he did great as King Booker, a title Dave Meltzer now gives to Tony Khan. <laughs> uh, Booker had to put Batista in his place at a commercial shoot because sometimes the biggest dick is also the biggest asshole <laughs> he used a scissors kick which is why he never beat Rock uh, finally also Booker's finisher that was, was a, every once in a while Scott has like a, I, a I joke just, rock, for, paper, scissors, bro. just for elementary school kids mm -hmm. there's always an elementary school kid joke you know it also, Booker's finisher was a copy of the Rock's finisher. He called it the bookend, but I call it the Rock Bottom's Rock Bottom. <laughs> Scott Chaplin, everybody. Oh, that was great. Robert Karpolis. All right. <clears throat> Booker T robbed a Wendy's and as a result has had his dignity robbed through decades of horrible, insensitive booking. <laughs> Booker T and Stevie Ray had a tremendous run as a tag team. When asked for comment, Jim Ross said, yeah, I love Doom. <laughs> In the GWF, Booker and Stevie were called the Ebony Experience, which means they were paid less 
harassed by the cops and not allowed to date your daughter. <laughs> Booker T and Stevie Ray were Harlem Heat. Harlem Heat is also how Vince McMahon refers to Lashley's heel run. <laughs> Booker T wrestled as GI Bro, which I think was a long lost Wayans Brothers movie. <laughs> Though GI Bro still isn't as embarrassing to the military as those Marine movies. <laughs> Booker T is a pioneer who broke barriers by being the only member of the WCW evasion to not have his entire career ruined. <laughs> Vince McMahon once famously called Booker T the N-word. And in that instant, you realized how bad prison must be for Booker to have not hit Vince. <laughs> Booker T and Goldust formed a memorable tag team called Book Dust. Book Dust is what Vince Russo would snort before every episode of Nitro. <laughs> Booker T did the Spinner Rooney, which is what Vince thinks is a pasta poor people eat. <laughs> At a commercial shoot, Booker famously mounted Batista, a move Michael Cole called Vintage Molina. <laughs> In TNA, Booker was a member of the main event mafia with Sting, Scott Steiner, and Kevin Nash. It was basically a WCW PTSD support group. <laughs> Booker T spent a few years behind the announce desk. Hulk Hogan said Booker was his favorite color commentator. <laughs> In the end, people think Booker T's feud with Triple H going to WrestleMania 19 was racist. <laughs> That's all for me. <laughs> uh, Robert Carpolis, everybody. The roast of Booker T. Booker T is what would happen if a Karen described Kofi Kingston to police. <laughs> he robbed a Wendy's in his uniform, which gave him a five-year, five-year, five-year sentence. <laughs> Kind of ironic that Booker T stole from Dave Thomas, then spent the rest of his life having old white guys steal money from him. <laughs> it's so sad that a gimmick called Harlem Heat was considered progressive. Move over, Rosa Parks. There's a guy cutting English without a move. Oh, I fucked that up. Forget it. Uh, <laughs> sorry, guys. I just fucked that whole joke up. I'm not going to. It was a Kamala joke. But um, Booker T's done more jobs than a Mexican task rabbit. <laughs> Everyone talks about how great of a wrestler Booker T is, but the only thing people remember is the Spinner Rooney. Nobody watches is nobody watches an Okada match and says, "You thinks that's good? You should see his Charleston." <laughs> In WCW, Jeff Jarrett hit his first wife with the guitar, and as a receipt, she hit Booker T with divorce papers. <laughs> the big difference between Booker T and David Arquette is that when Arquette won the WCW title, it meant something. <laughs> Brad, Brad complimented Booker T in his book, which proves that he couldn't have been that successful. You think Sean's good? You should see John Pierre Lafitte. <laughs> <laughs> he was in an episode of Charmed with Buck, Buff Bagwell called Wrestling with Demons, or in Bagwell's case, Wrestling. <laughs> when hogan asked booker t why he called him the n-word he said i learned it from you dad i learned it from you <laughs> he founded reality of wrestling which is a wrestling promotion and not a study of cte <laughs> booker t won the tag titles with test talk about carrying dead weight <laughs> teamed with an autistic gold dust because they both spoke stevie ray <laughs> the only WWE main eventer to put over Booker T was Bad Bunny. 
I'm not saying he was buried by the time, but by the time Triple H was done with him, they called him Green Booker T. It's crazy that it became part of the main event mafia that's like Flair leading the number one dads. <laughs> Wrestling's greatest rivals. The Rock had Austin, Cena had Punk, and Booker T had a headset. On commentary, Booker T sounded like he was selling Skittles for his son's basketball team. G.I. <laughs> bro sound looked like the male stripper that's paid an extra 20 bucks to titty fuck the fattest bachelorette. <laughs> and finally, he tried suing the Call of Duty video game, saying they ripped off his character, G.I. Bro. Hey, Booker, you know you didn't come up with Army Guy, right? <laughs> if so, please nobody show him Game of Thrones. Sucker, there's like 10, 10, 10 King Bookers in there. <laughs> That's it. That's it for me. All right, my turn. Uh, today we are roasting Booker T, better known as Reginald's Grandpa. <laughs> I'm just joking. He's best known as Bad Bunny's mascot. He had memorable feuds, incredible matches, and most importantly, taught Hulk Hogan how to say his favorite word. <laughs> when he was young, he went to jail because he robbed a Wendy's in his Wendy's uniform. He may be a better wrestler than Nick Gage, but he's the same level of criminal. <laughs> then he went to jail for a year and a half. I won't say what happened, but there's a reason he was so comfortable with gold dust. <laughs> He was always Vince McMahon's favorite black wrestler until R-Truth was willing to have even less dignity. <laughs> Booker T had moments of seriousness, but R-Truth is willing to act like a fool 24-7. <laughs> it's amazing how he how long he's lasted in WWE. Even Spinner Rooney sounds like a racial slur Vince made up. <laughs> Linda, you were supposed to be a senator and keep the Spinner Rooney's out of Greenwich. <laughs> <laughs> His commentary really makes you feel like you're there live at any Magic Johnson movie theater. <laughs> it takes talent to be a paid commentator and still sound like you're talking through the matches. <laughs> He's had a tough life. Unlike a lot of wrestlers who grew up in the suburbs of their parents, Booker T comes from one of the worst dangerous places ever, WCW. <laughs> he was the five-time WCW champion, all while Vince Russo was booking it. Maybe don't brag so much, Booker. <laughs> I heard the T stands for transitional champion. Booker had the belt five times in less than a year. That's not proof that Booker's good. That just means the booking's bad. <laughs> Booker T got inducted into the Hall of Fame as a singles wrestler and then again as part of Harlem Heat with Stevie Ray. They could have just made Stevie Ray a Hall of Famer on his own. That's the joke. <laughs> Booker married Charmel, which sounds like a brand of toilet paper you get at the dollar store. <laughs> they went to TNA, which sounds like a wrestling promotion you'd buy at the dollar store. <laughs> when he wrestled Triple H, did he give him the shovel and say, can you dig me, sucka? <laughs> the way Triple H beat Booker at Mania 19 is one of the most embarrassing, awful moments in professional wrestling. I mean, how could they put that in the middle of the card? It should have been the main event. <laughs> that's it for me uh mike Lawrence, that was a fun one yeah it was enjoyable all right folks let's get to ain't that swell and show in hell for ain't that swell you know i had never seen booker t win the world heavyweight championship at bash of the beach so i made us all watch it 
Uh, here are my notes. Uh, Michael Buffer was such an unnecessary expense. Like, if you're hemorrhaging money, why are you like that guy was for sure not cheap? I know because his brother's not cheap, and he's, no, he's like six figures at this time. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable, and it that that's a that's something you could. You know, actually, TNA made way like I think TNA was paying Johnny Fairplay six figures a year for like two years. But I mean, this is pretty bad. Um, I also think just quickly. Yeah. Uh, the context of this, I think, was that it was already Jarrett and Hogan. Yes. Um, That's and, the issue. So this, yeah, is, this, this is this is this is the this is the Titanic of pay-per-views. Yeah. This yeah. match alone isn't the worst. It's just within the context of what happened. No, I, I the reason I said ain't that swell. It's actually, you know, for me. This was a good comic saving a bad show. Like I, my respect for Booker T went up through the roof on this uh, episode. Because Had you not seen this match before you picked it as the positive Booker okay, T match not, you wanted us to not, watch? Well, dude, it's not a great match. But oh like, no, it's it's not at all. But it's it's an interesting. There's an interesting story. There's an interesting story it, behind it. Right? And Robert, I will say this: like, yeah, no, it's not the greatest match in the world. But there's nobody else in that company. That if like you had told them, hey, Hulk Hogan is not going to be wrestling in the main event and we're going to replace it with somebody, they would have booed everybody out of the building. But Booker T still got a pop. Like people were still in Booker T's corner. It almost reminds me of how Obama got the presidency. Like, hey, we're going to wait until the country is so shitty and then we're going to give you the presidency. It's very like WCW. Like, we're going to wait until our cash cow is leaving and on the way out, we're going to give you his title. It is like, it, it for me is just like, it's a testament to Booker T's talent because, you know, like imagine how many main events where if you imagine how many main events that if you took Hogan out and replaced it with anybody, there would have been a fucking riot and there wasn't a riot here. Am I two glasses half full on this? No, I, I mean, I, I think that this was a fun way that, I mean, this whole thing is weird. I know there was a lawsuit based on this because, Russo called Hogan bald. Um, I mean, this is, you know, they often talk about this night as like the end of the end of WCW. Because <laughs> the beginning feels like the, the entire promotion. But, um, but yeah, this is sad. And uh, what I was saying with the, uh, with the, 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 the Michael uh, Buffer thing, because he came out for two main events, he probably got paid twice, I bet, man. He's like, all right, I'll come back out for Booker and Jarrett, but it's going to cost you. Because, dude, this he copyrighted Let's Get Ready to Rumble, man. So, like, he made fucking bank. Um, but this this whole thing is why I can't even watch WCW for fun in the sense of, like, everything's a ref bump. Everything's DQs. And, I mean, that was just Russo. That's a lot of Attitude Era WWE as well it just all ends up being the same. And even when there should be like this sincere victory moment, it's like layered in so much fucking gaga that it's hard to enjoy on a, on a personal what's, level. What's even crazier is Vince Russo uh, claims to love Booker T. He loves Booker T. Uh, and then you see the shit that went on and you go, okay, well, how much power did Vince Russo have if he loved him and this shit was happening? Or is he just that bad at, well, the, the big mistake, even with big, his hands kind of tied behind his back, right? Because Hogan was uh, was being a maniac. No. Well, the big overplaying of Vince Russo's hand was like 
you know, a couple matches before this, Vince cuts the promo Vomo after after Hogan leaves, you know, after they do like the you know recreation of the finger poke of doom or whatever. And Vince Russo somehow didn't realize that people liked Hulk Hogan more than him. Like, I, I don't understand, like, like people like Hogan and the Bubba the Love Sponge video better than Vince Russo. Like, it was the biggest miscalculation to think that I am I am somehow going to, I, a guy from Long Island who can hardly put sentences together, I'm going to somehow, I'm going to somehow fucking, like, be, be more popular than Hulk Hogan because I have some sort of internet aol ch- chat room street cred it, it, it's well, that's the thing. they both took credit for having the hottest runs in wrestling ever except only one of them is telling the truth bro you don't <laughs> understand you're in daytona that's the smartest town for wrestling they got a dial up internet at the library Someone's on one of the forums. Like, this is the least smart wrestling crowd you could have done this angle in front of who were completely baffled by what was going on. And I was I was messaging with another writer. I'm like, they're making me watch this. And I'm like, the dumbest thing is to think, yeah, the horse I'm going to back to turn this company around is Jeff Jarrett and not Hulk Hogan. Because Hulk Hogan in 2000 was washed up and over the hill. And this is still a few years before his match with The Rock that single-handedly revived his career he still had a lot of gas in the tank he was the guy they absolutely should have been going with and not jeff jarrett and then the problem with this match dude him dressed as a pirate is more over than jeff jarrett then jarrett was never over um the the fact of the matter is booker t had already wrestled on the show he did the best he could and they had to throw this match together pretty quickly and that's why there's a lot of rest holds there's a very long figure four. And then the shittiest part of all this, like Scott said, oh yeah, Vince Russo loved Booker T. He couldn't even let Booker T win clean. Not only was there a ref bump, they had Booker hit Jarrett with the belt. You could, and then, and that still wasn't the finish. Jeff Jarrett was like Triple H on uh, like the incredible Hulk version of Triple H. Nothing could stop him. And it was so over the top and convoluted when it could have just been Booker T beats Jeff Jarrett clean and you anoint him as the champion and everybody's happy. Instead, they just, they muddied this up a lot. This was a participation trophy for, we really like you, Booker. You deserve to be in the main event. This was not how you anoint somebody as a main eventer. Also, Mark Madden sounds like me on commentary. Like he panics and then starts apologizing, which is like the worst look for a heel commentator. I met him. We, we had a fight on Twitter, but I met him. He was actually really nice. Uh, they had a rough night. That if you, I went back because I wanted to go back. Yeah, and I, to be fair, yeah, that whole team was like, I mean, they must have been like, what the fuck is going on? Shivani was trying. It's my favorite Shivani stuff because Shivani would pull all this crap on Nitro when they'd be like, this isn't this isn't part of our script. Like this is this is totally real. Everything else you've watched is fake, but this right here, this isn't on my programming sheet um to uh, to really highlight it but then it actually happened and they were panicking and they're just like well this is this is real life like you're throwing to me i don't know what you're supposed to be throwing to next and the people i felt the worst for was the wcw production folks who made a video package for this hogan jarrett storyline when they knew they were going to screw him over so you air this beautiful video package that retold the story really well and it was all for nothing 
Yeah, I mean, was this decided backstage? Because there always is, there was always like a debate whether or not Hogan was in on it. Um, do you think he was in on it or no? I don't. I don't think it's he's not that good of an actor. Because, yeah, that's that's the thing is he kind of looks like he he's actually, act, you know, actually reacting to it. But I I never know with Hogan. You know, like it could have been that he he did know what was happening and it just bombed. So he's like, no, I didn't know what was happening. Like. And this is probably his favorite thing ever because the, you wrote him off TV and he sat at home and collected a paycheck for another couple of years. So he was perfectly fine. Like, there was no way to punish the WCW guys because of their contracts. So it's like, all right, I want creative control. I'm not going to lose. All right, you're going to screw me over. Cool. I'm just going to sit at home and keep collecting a paycheck because you wrote me off TV. Unbelievable. Well, let's get to our show in hell. Uh, this was from the, I believe, September 25th. 2000 Nitro. Uh, this was Vince Russo going against Booker T in a steel cage match for the WCW World Heavyweight Champion. And Russo goes over. That's right, folks. Your new WCW World Champion, Vince because Russo. Because he loves Booker. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I have so many notes for this match. My first note is I do think they should bring Vince Russo back as Enzo's manager on the independence. I think that those two together, like having him as uh, as Enzo's Heyman would be fantastic. I'm sure Enzo can get enough heat on his own. He does not need this guy getting him more heat. <laughs> uh, if you haven't seen this match... Vince Russo is dressed in a New York Giants uh, jersey and a New York Giants helmet. He has a bat. And even when he's hitting Booker with a bat and Booker selling, it's unbelievable. Like, he should have a gun and a bat. Like, that's how out of shape he is. He, he's, his, none of his bumps look good. It looks like he's falling on a hotel bed every time that he's hit. In the middle of the match, I, I guess Vince Russo, who's the heel, has all his guys come out. And but they're all the new guys. It's very confusing as to, you know, like who's the heel, who's the face. But that 70s guy, a.k.a. Mike Awesome, a.k.a. Fat Chick Thrilla. This is my favorite moment of the match. Uh, he's on top of the cage. And to save, I guess, Mike Awesome from going through the cage. And there's no way that Mike Awesome could have fit through that cage or or work through that cage. Uh, Sting just repels down, lands on the cage. And then <laughs> that 70s guy just like casually walks down from the cage like there's no reaction at all it is the ultimate wrestle crap um this is the most nightmare finish ever uh goldberg spears vince russo through the cage door making you know like before booker t can leave so by default vince russo is the new wcw world heavyweight champion but instead of like you know using this angle like right afterwards as like Booker T being like, you know, Goldberg, you fucked me over, which, you know, is the story to tell. They high five as if they're like, okay, we can finally fucking leave this filming. Uh, And nobody knows whether or not Vince Russo is champion. You kind of have to, you know, do the math on your own. It's astonishing. Uh, What what did you think of this, Robert? I like this better than Booker T versus Jeff Jarrett. Really? No, I I, th- I think for for the car crash value of this, it was at least a little bit more entertaining than 
a thrown together match with a lot of rest holds. This had everybody involved in it. At one point, Lex Luger shows up, who I guess hadn't been on TV for a while, to give uh, Vince Russo a pipe. And then yeah. the announcers weren't sure if it was Lex Luger and whether or not he was working for him. There were four announcers for this match, including Jeremy Borash, who uh, really, uh, really showed why he's great behind the camera and not on commentary. Um, the, the best part of this absolute debacle is all Vince, all Booker he had to do was escape the cage. And he's standing there because they hit Goldberg's music and Booker just stands frozen waiting for a good three minutes and the announcers are just like walk through the door like even they're burying booker t for being a real piece of shit and just standing there and watching and then scott steiner comes in to attack booker and then booker still doesn't escape and then they so i was trying to figure out why they did this this finish here and i i reached out to a friend of the show lance storm and i'm like what like you were there that night what the fuck happened and he said the booker was told that day it was going to be a draw and that he was going to retain the title um, they, they said, you know, they were like, oh, are you putting him over? He's like, no, we're doing a draw because this is Russo's hometown and they're not oh going to announce. Oh my God. So that really was so Russo. So they're not going to announce a winner. And the idea was that Booker was going to retain, but then Russo did a pre-tape for Thunder where he said that he won the title and that's how Booker found out he wasn't champion. That's the kind of company they were running. That's why the finish of the matches. Goldberg spears Russo at as Booker stepping out and you're supposed to be a who's the champion and the idea was Booker was going to retain but they didn't want Russo to lose in front of his New York crowd because you don't want to kill the audience uh, there and because if they would have seen Russo lose they were never going to come back and then this was Vince Russo going yeah no fuck it I'm the champion I, he did a pre-tape on Thunder and he's like yeah I'm the champ sorry Jesus Christ Scott what did you think of this match Vince Russo is like a, like a, like a middle school play Eddie Kingston. (laughs) 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 Like he's just completely pretending to be this thing. He has no idea. uh, Even though this is who he is, I I guess. Uh, Yeah, man, I thought it was brutal. And again, I did not watch WCW. I know there were good parts about it, but this is something Mm. that you go, well, what in WWE is this bad? And I don't know if there's anything. There's not. There's nothing this bad. Right? Because, and here's why there's nothing as bad uh, in WWE. First off, I just want to I want to bring up that on 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 Raw that night there was a ladder match between the Hardys and Edge and Christian and wow. The Rock versus Chris Benoit for the WWE Championship. So that that's what the counter programming was. The reason that there's nothing that 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 was as bad is because people bring up Katie Vick. People bring up some of the, um, you know, really like outrageous strikeout angles of WWE, but at least they're told in a way of like, okay, I know what this is. I hate it, but I know what this is. This I hate. And I don't know what it is. It's, it's like a combo of both. Like they fuck up the execution and the idea. Mike, you had a pretty visceral reaction to this. What did you think of the match? is awful man and and the thing is is that like you know i i often say like the attitude era is a blind spot for me i wasn't watching um either company at this time i don't get it i i just i just watched the woodstock 99 documentary on hbo max and it really um reiterated uh what it is about this era of just pop culture that makes me feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and it, it definitely was in music and it, it certainly permeated in the rest. What, what were you listening to at the time? 
You clearly were not doing it all for the nookie, is what you're telling us. <laughs> Here's the thing, and I, I mean, I had a lot of embarrassing phases. I, I liked Marilyn Manson for a little bit. I liked Offspring, um, Bad Religion. El- then I got into Elliot Smith. Then I got into, like, this Canadian punk band. Sad, that yeah. You know, I, I went all over the place, but I never, I never did it for the Nookie Scott. You went from so. Elliot Smith to like Joni Mitchell and then just poems. You stopped yeah. listening to music for a few years. Yeah. Yeah, man. Um, I was all over the place, but, but uh, yeah, I, I would highly just as a tangent that Woodstock documentary is great. But, but this, it's like, thing is like, I can, I can understand Mr. McMahon. I can understand that character and even the fact that you know, Vince McMahon was an on-screen presence, let alone, obviously, the actual owner of the company. So there was some, like, it made sense in some ways. And obviously, he did a fantastic job uh, against Austin in the time. And it was a hot angle for a reason. And I know that Russo helped contribute to that. Um, Even Bischoff and the NWO and all of that, the fact that he was an on-screen character before um, becoming, like, this figurehead that was there all the time. But Russo is a head scratcher to me in the sense that he was never on WWE television, if I'm not mistaken. Am I mistaken? He was he was on Livewire as Vic Venom. Uh that was it. He was but not, not on Vince, Raw, No, not he on, was he was never Vince Russo. That's what I thought. Yeah. No, this this was more like that that Looney Tunes cartoon where the animators attacking uh Bugs uh, Bunny. Oh, no, the pet Donald, yeah, the, the Daffy Duck one, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it was just, like, what was interesting was that I don't even, like I said, I wasn't watching at this time, so I don't even get the context of, like, how hardcore of fans you had to be to even know who the fuck this guy is. And then, you know, one of the reasons this is worse than a lot of other stuff in wrestling that we shit on is, yeah, this ended the show. This was the main event. This was for the title. I think this was worse than Arquette. And I think Arquette gets a bad fucking rap because um, at least that made sense from a promotional standpoint. You know, WCW was a huge part of that movie. It, so that I, I get, but this fucking shit, like, I don't know who it's for. Were there Vince Russo fans, like, of him as a personality? <laughs> the internet knew who he was. And then he's he ruined pro wrestling forever for for this reason vince russo was the first writer to get into mcmahon's ear and mcmahon really listened to and trusted and let russo kind of get credit and as soon as russo got credit he jumps wcw with ed ferrara they become on-screen characters and they take credit for everything vince did and from that day forward nobody in wwe was really ever given any kind of real power and control even bryant for as much as, as Brian is, is held up in high regard, his ideas got shot down like everyone else. He didn't have a special line to Vince. Vince put a wall up. And the only people he would trust at that point were Stephanie and Hunter because they're not going to leave. So no writer was allowed. It was like, it was like Walt Disney. You hear all those stories of all these people that created, like Mickey Mouse was not created by Walt Disney. He erases all that. That's how Vince McMahon operated. And he became so much more insular after this because Vince Russo goes to WCW, made himself a character. And Mike, I know you weren't watching. The way he introduced himself was they literally have everyone gather around the ring to introduce Vince Russo as the guy running WCW. It was very weird and, and really convoluted. 
and it it hurt everything because you were constantly blurring the lines of yeah this is fake and i'm the guy who writes it but now you need to take this seriously he did that at bash of the beach where he talks about creative control with hulk hogan but now you're supposed to buy that everything else that's going on is real in the same thing you were seeing in this this main event on nitro which was really overbooked and and i mean look the end of elliot smith was better than the end of this match (laughs) (laughs) well yeah i mean there was more selling for sure (laughs) i I just i just think that yeah it's like all of this blurs together to me when i try to watch it and it's like that's why i can't even like watch bad wcw for fun because it all starts to feel the same and and tna makes me feel the same and and i and i sometimes get um i i I hate to use it because I know it's such a serious word, but I get triggered by it when I watch um, AEW at times when like X amount of people run out, you know, like to me, wrestling at its best is intimate when it is like two people or even, you know, a tag team or whatever. But when you have just the fuck parade of morons just (laughs) running out, it just all blurs together and it doesn't make me care. Because during your peak fandom, I mean, in the eighties, you never saw interaction with people from different segments. Maybe once in a blue moon, if someone won the title and they were celebrating the back and sprayed him with champagne or something, but you never saw 10 guys in a segment on, an, on any WWF programming ever. Also, I mean, I like run-ins, but the way that they did run-ins then was like, Macho Man is going to hit uh, Ultimate Warrior with a scepter and it's going to set up the WrestleMania match. Like, you know, there was a reason for the run-in rather than we don't have a finish. Let's have a bunch of guys just come out there. We didn't even mention the dumbest logic part within the dumbest logic part of this stupid fucking match is at one point referee Mickey J gets taken out and the EMTs show up. And one of the EMTs is Ric Flair dressed as an EMT who attacks Vince Russo, which means he knew at some point EMTs were going to be involved in this match. And he had a costume ready to attack him and then puts Vince Russo in the figure four. Vince no sells it, rolls over. And then Ric Flair just gets up, high fives Booker T and leaves. Can we also just just mention that this is the most that Ric Flair ever just looked like a regular guy. Like you see, you see him come out in the EMT shirt and that very like pedestrian haircut. And it does not feel like, the greatest wrestling star of all time this is his loki variant this is uh <laughs> real world like there's alligator rick flair and then there's this then then there's terry taylor rick flair <laughs> <laughs> well let's get to the debut of a new segment jobber knocker with mike lawrence mike take it away all right so we um we covered uh did you guys watch this and i'm sorry if i didn't send it but i'll post on twitter uh this is Coco Beware in the jobber match with some mass dude. Uh, I mass Patriot? The, what's that? Is this the Mass, Patri- the mass yes. Patriot, right? Yeah. Yeah, I believe so. And the, the, the story, I think this is Memphis. Uh, the story that I read was that the, uh, you know, the guy was very um, 1980s uh, white guy, racist piece of shit to Coco. And um, Coco fucking fucked him up um it's amazing because coco's haircut like coco looks like one of those little rascals in this match <laughs> um and it just adds like he there's like a silliness to his look like the hair that he has like like he's one of the pips 
Um, and he fucking destroys this guy. And then when you hear the reason why, it's like, yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, I mean, there's debate that after a clothesline in this match, he's he's completely not present. Uh, this this masked patriot guy that he wrestled. Yeah, I feel like this is one of those clips, you know, because Dan, you you said like let's do a jobber segment, and you know, I figured to to get us into it. I think that this is a clip that's passed around a decent amount. Um, a lot of yeah, because it's like here's the thing: a lot of jobber beatdowns are uncomfortable to watch. It's guys taking advantage of somebody. It's you know, it's uh, it's a wrestler who has a career fucking over some dude who's making three hundred dollars. This is the opposite of that. Uh, <laughs> this this jobber, makes you feel good in some way. Like- the jobber specifically sucks in a way that you begin to wrestle him and realize he can't even sell a punch. And so you just have to start beating the shit out of him. Kind of like when Umaga beat up uh, Steve-O and Chris Pontius. Yeah. <laughs> yeah My favorite there, tag team. There's also, um, I think it was like the, the, the twin towers. They, uh, what's his name? God, the guy was Waylon Mercy. Oh, the skyscrapers. Skyscrapers. I'm Danny, sorry. The guy Dan Spivey. Dan Spivey. Where he he like he really him and Sid really beat the fuck out of a guy. Oh, I've seen that one. And Sid's like trying to like uh corral Spivey and be like, easy good, dude. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll cover that at some point. My favorite part of this beatdown though is Coco beats the shit out of this guy and then goes for a suplex, and the guy goes up for the suplex. Like the 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 racist jobber was somehow still working. As opposed to trying to run away. And he's like, oh, no, we can still salvage this. This can still be a good match. Yeah. And this video is, is very much worth it. It's CWA, the Patriot versus Coco Beware. Uh, during the pin, like right after the three, Coco just fucking swats this dude's face. And then it was just mid-pin, walks Scott. in the back. Oh, mid-pin. It okay, was mid-pin. Yeah. He still smacks him in the face. Awesome. You know, like, hey, what do you think is Mike? What do you think is more of a victimist cr- crime, squashing a racist jobber or firing an entertainment talent agent? <laughs> uh, both, both are satisfying to watch. Uh, <laughs> I feel like this is because, like, I also didn't realize that it's it's Coco Ware. I think this is where he gained the B. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, man, it's it's pretty wild. You guys got to check it out. Um, let's get yeah. to our uh, let's get our Twitter question of the week. Keep it on keep it on, Mr. Mike Lawrence. Uh, Mike, take it away. All right. Well, while, while you pull it up, I just wanted to read um, fan of the show Kyle Becker, who's now uh, a patron. Uh, he he listened to our CM Punk discussion, CM Punk Daniel Bryan discussion that Scott Robert and I had, uh, which was. Uh, a Patreon exclusive that we made on the regular feed. Also, you can get the uh, get the other half of the episode, which is us talking about No Mercy 2005, uh, a pay-per-view that Robert helped write. Uh, this is his book. This is his idea for booking CM Punk. I think it's pretty good. Let me, let, me, let, me, let me see what you guys think. All out, Kenny versus Hangman. Elite comes out at the end of the match, helping Kenny cheat, takes the ref out. They kill the Dark Order. Hangman, man, is almost victorious a couple times, but... The elite keeps interrupting and cheating for Kenny. Cult of personality hits. Punk enters, clears the ring, and Hangman hits Buckshot Lariat. Ref counts the three, and Hangman wins. Punk and Page celebrating. He raises Page his hand. Huge babyface moment. Boom! Punk goes from raising Hangman's hand to a kick in the face in a GTS. Punk spits on Page and raises his own hands 
as he has made it clear he's there to be the man. Could be kind of fun. You gotta right. give Paige's moment, baby. That's yeah, that's my only thing with it. You do have to. Uh, you got to. Um, all right. So the Twitter question. If uh, he's gonna is... win, I don't think he should win, but that's another discussion. Oh wow, okay. You don't think Paige should win? No, 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 no. All right. Well, no, uh, I think I think he has to do it. He he has to be brave enough with his friends, but the real story is he has to be able to do it on his own without a drink in his hand, uh, without his friends behind him. You know, you gotta you gotta fight your own battles, brother. That's that's the story. So yeah, man. Long term booking. I mean, people are gonna be pissed, but grow the fuck up and and, and you know, relearn how stories are told. Just because you got burnt by the WWE, you fucking right. losers. Grow, grow oh, the man. fuck up you and buy one the of those. Man out of Vince Russo, but you can't take Vince Russo out of the man. <laughs> like Scott said, grow the fuck up and buy one of those new AEW Wrestle Buddies. Uh, <laughs> Exclusive on awshop.com. Um, so speaking of AEW, this question, Dan, you were the one who came up with this one. You mentioned it offhand, and I was like, Yeah, that's fucking great. So we were doing it. Uh we just asked, you know, we are in the Jericho five labor storyline with MJF. And uh I just asked our fans, uh Give us another one of Jericho's upcoming labors. I actually have one before we even start, and that would be uh, getting in a public pool without a shirt on. (laughs) All right, go away. Nice. Well, well, that was for Jericho. I thought that was for 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 you. Um, (laughs) It's for it's honestly for three fourths of this podcast. Yeah, I bet Scott looks weird with a shirt off. Four fourths. He has a weird indented chest, like Kofi Kingston. You know yeah. it, brother. Pectus excavatum. That's the name of the finisher, too. <laughs> well, I'm going to read these, and then we can, the rest of us can have our own after. I just don't want to blow the spot of these these tweeters. Uh, so, at G Diggs Wrestling, watch him squirm as he tries to pull on tights from his Y2J days. <laughs> at SparkNATO781, watch a Dr. Luther match in its entirety. And oof. At six five five three two one King, Jericho has to truthfully explain where he was on the morning of January sixth, twenty twenty one. At Rapid Tapioca, manicure Marvez's soul patch. <laughs> At Manny Mills, Jericho has to personally donate a comically oversized check to Kamala Harris. 2024 presidential fund in front of the Capitol building while wearing his costume from Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. <laughs> At D Tesso, Jericho versus the staff of Passages Malibu. <laughs> At Mady Mills, uh, I ordered a personally signed in quotation marks book from I Am Jericho last month, and this shit showed up yesterday. Maybe one of his labors is he can go back and sign his actual books instead of throwing a rushed autograph on a packing label. And uh, the guy sent a photo of it's just the box that the uh, book comes in and he just signed the outer package instead of the book. No. <laughs> um, yeah. By the way, if, if you ever tweet an answer that reveals more about yourself than the uh, question of the week we will often read it so thank you at Mady Mills <laughs> at Don Hashi needs to fight QT Marshall and somehow get him over with anyone but Robert 
At Ed Cassidy Comedy, he has to sit in the ring with respected rock music journalists who critique a Fozzie album while he has an open bottle of bubbly that he can't drink. <laughs> At Mike Brook, WIP, Jericho vs. 100 Ice Cold Hot Dogs. He has the entire episode of Dynamite to eat them, but he can't rely on any assistance to complete the challenge. The only thing he's allowed to drink is a 16-ounce container of hot sauce, and he's in a shark cage in the air. <laughs> at Lash 7247 Jericho stars in a sequel to The Passion of the Christ where he plays Judas accompanied by his own theme music the movie delves into how Jesus was the true heel and Judas was the real baby face <laughs> and Youngie 54 Jericho versus that girl he punched in 2008 <laughs> did you guys see that footage by the way of I, course I oh yeah I remember that happened I remember when it happened yeah um at Burtland 19, Jericho versus an interview where he's not allowed to compliment Chris Benoit. <laughs> and at Belly Flop, Jericho has to explain to JR why the pain maker is a great idea while dressed in the pain maker getup without JR laughing in his face. <laughs> so, uh, our, our labors of Jericho. Anyone else got a labor, Jericho? Mine was, was literally one of the ones you just said, uh, writing a book without mentioning the amazing work he did with Chris Benoit. <laughs> just because he cannot. Mine oh. is uh, be with his family more than he is on Twitter. <laughs> Check out, uh, we're going to be uh, tweeting out um, on Monday during it, since, uh, since Mike will uh, not be not be here next week we're going to be tweeting out uh, our twitter verse question of the week um next week we're going to go back to uh review and dynamite so uh if so check us out then um yeah but i, I had one backup question but i, I may just I, I may just wait i i wanted to do what does sable do when brock finally leaves the house we talked about that question but eh, i'm gonna wait until brock comes back you know yeah on that one Hey, Mike, what's your high, sp high spot this week? And then we'll do low, low spots. Yeah, my high spot, uh, this goes with, uh, you know, the figure four dorks uh, thing that uh, me, uh, Dan, and Scott did that uh, a few of our listeners said, hey, we'd like to hear you talk about action figures. So we did. Um, and uh, there were a lot of WWE reveals this weekend over Comic-Con. Uh, some of them were awesome. There's an amazing new uh, Bianca Belair. There is a uh, goon, <laughs> like you said, the Zodiac is coming out, but my uh, Canadian earthquake. Uh, but I think the coolest figure uh, this weekend and my high spot of the week is they're doing a like a WWE, like Hollywood Legends. And in the first series, they have They Live Roddy Piper um, as Nada from Roddy uh, from They Live. And that's fucking awesome. Um, I'm immediately getting that figure. That is definitely. They mine. have Andre as uh, Bigfoot too, which looks crazy. Yeah, yeah, from the six million dollar man. <laughs> yeah, so awesome. So awesome, Robert. What's your high spot this week? Uh, my high spot of the week from uh, was from SmackDown. Uh, first of all, Roman Reigns promo talking about John Cena and awesome. how John Cena has been the same since 2005. And he's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna face John Cena. He's missionary position, and I don't deal with that. And then Finn Balor coming out to confront him, and it made me love live crowds because the audience made Finn Balor seem like a bigger deal than he was, because Finn hasn't been on 
real programming in a while. He's been on NXT and the crowd was chanting Roman scared. And it was a completely organic moment that Roman replied, you know, responded to. And then subsequently on Twitter was like, yeah, Finn, I'm going to give you your match. Don't blow it this time. Um, which is a nice little uh, dig. Uh, my, my second high spot, just, I, I have to, I can't believe I'm saying this. Uh, Baron Corbin on talking smack, cutting his promo about how, how hard the hard times he's Dude, in Dude, this right is a pretty now. good gimmick. It works. Hey, he's like QT Marshall. He's he really is. Dude, he's doing QT better than QT. But the fact that he was wearing the shirt with stains, and she's like, is this the same shirt with stains? No, this is a new one. I tried to open a can of spaghetti by banging it against the sidewalk, and it splattered. <laughs> it's great, man. Baron finally found himself. Scott, what's your high spot this week? Oh, man. Okay, so I think this is going to be a shocker. I think my high spot is that Reginald R-Truth match. Um, I'm not going to count Dynamite, you know, last week's Dynamite, because it was a while back, and it, it's Tuesday we're recording. I haven't seen this week's Dynamite. Uh, and, you know, there's a lot of awesome moments. The CM Punk Daniel Bryan thing I would pick, but we released that part uh, of our Patreon episode publicly, so people already got our opinions on that. So I'm going with Reginald on Raw. Uh, I thought he was unbelievable. I thought he was awesome. I think comedy wrestling, when it's in the actual wrestling, is so damn fun to watch. It's like, reminds me of vaudeville or something. I get all excited. I want to watch a, a, a Gene Kelly movie. I, I like, you know, I like, uh, I like dancing and shit. I like musicals. And this is what that felt like. Like this, this moment of our truth trying to hit him and him doing this amazing acrobats. Uh, it just reminded me of, uh, of, of things I enjoy outside of wrestling. It was really good. Wow. That, that, that is a shocker for my high spot. I got my first pro wrestling crate this week and it was uh, it was terrific, man. I got an Eddie Guerrero shirt. I got a Bruiser Brody shirt. I got a Vader pin. Uh, I'm I basically <laughs> this is like this is Dan talking to his dad on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> That's I'm basically great. Plugging this so maybe ne- next year pro wrestling crate. You guys give me some free shit. I was gonna say this isn't an ad read. This is a no, this genuine is, enthusiast. I actually, <laughs> I actually bought this myself. So anybody from pro wrestling tees or pro wrestling crate who's listening to this, I'm giving you free plug. Send me free shit, guys. All right. If, if uh, we were this excited about ball hair, we would have sold so many manscape races. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, we would have sold them. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, it was uh, it was it was awesome, man. I got a nice little flying Brian micro brawler and a New Jack autograph, which sometimes it, it seems like he's staring into me because of the roast we did of him. Um, let's get to when lo- that was done. That might not be authentic. Let's uh, let's uh, let's get to low spots. I'll do mine at the end. Uh, Mike, what was your low spot this week? Um, I, you know, and I know we're recording this on Tuesday, so we haven't seen the Jericho match, but I'm going to give it to, uh, the Nick Gage, uh, Matt Cardona stuff. Uh, just even those images just make me not happy. Uh, I don't know how to say, like, I I know that there is a, a, a section of fandom that loves that type of wrestling. Wait, what happened that bothers you? Um, you know, all the throwing all the shit in the ring, just even just like the hardcoreness of it. I don't like 
Nick Gage personally. Um, I don't. What? I that's Booker that... T though. I mean, they they both committed the same crimes. Wait you know? a minute! Don't compare these two What's guys. What's the difference? Booker T robbed a bunch of Wendy's. Nick Gage because Booker T thing. isn't a criminal in the ring. He was a criminal when he was like eighteen. Yeah, yeah, Scott, yeah but when I, is Nick Gage a criminal in the ring outside of it being a work? What are we talking Scott, about? Scott, Anytime Scott. someone pays him to wrestle. I just don't know. I don't know what's confirmed work or shoot aside from him robbing a bank, which we've forgiven Booker T over. No, okay. One, he wasn't entertaining in his dark side of the ring. (laughs) (laughs) Boring as possible. It genuinely angered me that a fucking helicopter ambulance was used on him when he's like purposely hurting himself when that should be used to help people who are actual in danger and need um and also i think what he did to arquette was really shitty i think he took advantage of arquette i think he assaulted him i thought that was arquette's fault and arquette admits that i don't think it was arquette's fault i thought he I moved that, when he wasn't arquette supposed to move and so to, it cut his throat i think the goal that's arquette trying to, on that that's arquette trying to step back and seem like uh, you know, like, hey, I'm with it. Please like me still. But I think it's bullshit. I don't like this type of wrestling. I don't think that the guy's that talented. Yeah, you can like him if you want. I don't. And well, I don't like him. I definitely. But I, I just. Finish. I don't think that he should be in AEW. I don't think a company that puts wrestlers first and should be putting wrestler safety first to put a guy in there that takes such uh, fucking liberties with people. Now now you can... Uh, it says the guy who game. loves Jake Roberts. You guys are so full of shit. More Nick, importantly, notice the fact that Mike's... You know, what, what happened is in the past. The, the death match, you know, these guys throwing stuff, it's like, as far as what I've heard, it's like part of the moment. They did it last year when some guy won the title. How many members of Scott's family were at that show? Scott. No, I'm just, Scott, I mean, what, bro, I'm, what I've heard is it's worked. like totally part of it. No, you're I mean, getting you guys are getting this, this week, Mike launches his action figure podcast. So he's going after Cardona. He's starting to stir this shit up. Bro, that's all this is. <laughs> it's a, I, it's I do work. think, you know, devil's advocate. I do think that it was like Matt Cardona, um, you know, uh, reenacting Shawn Michaels celebration was really great, but I, I, I don't, I mean, it see, it seems as though Scott, like some of your favorite AEW wrestlers have gone online when, when gay, when Gage's dark side came out and said, Hey, this guy actually hurt me in the ring. Yeah. I just don't, I just don't recall. That's all I'm saying. I don't recall okay. that. I mean, please show me. And then I'll go, Oh yeah. Fuck this guy. He shouldn't be in AEW. I just don't. Well, I, th- I thought Brian Pillman jr. Did right. I just thought I thought he said he was shitty to one of his friends, but I don't know the context of that. Well, I don't, I don't know. It just it, what do you think, Robert? Are we being too hard on uh, this match? No, um, I think the thing that's the most frustrating about it is I'm a big Zack Ryder fan because the gimmick worked so well. And I thought he could have had decades of longevity with it because it's such an easy gimmick and it's a safe gimmick. He doesn't need to go and do the deathmatch stuff. I think there's this weird cachet that's kind of bubbling back up in small pockets for it when he's the kind of wrestler that doesn't need to take those types of risks and can still, he could probably work for another 20, 30 years doing the, the Zack Ryder shtick and be very, very safe. And I think that one of the nice trends over the last 10 years or so of wrestling is a lot of this deathmatch stuff has really dwindled because wrestlers realize if I'm talented, 
I can get over and I can, I can have a longer career. And there's guys I work with that started doing deathmatch stuff and moved away from it because you have more longevity as a safe wrestler. I I'm worried about a guy like uh, Cardona going into this world and really trying to prove himself because you're going to hurt yourself unnecessarily. You got, you guys clearly aren't, aren't following him on, on Twitter and all these things. He's, he's, knocking it out of the park dude he won the gcw title and he's calling it now the gcw universal title like <laughs> fucking hilarious people no, he's I, I, look I, a genuinely great dude in wrestling the, right now he's done the best he, he he this for me i think was a good move for him career-wise yeah dude as far as i know he's not hurt he's been tweeting every hour since the fight but but like Scott, it's just for hard. It's hard for me to like like when I watch a New Japan match, I'm like these guys are beating the fuck out of each other. But I get it because like as a viewer, I'm like okay, this is worth it. I never get that's that. absurd, man. Come on. Oh, are you kidding? Oh, come on, Picky man. Are you kidding? This is worth it, but that's not because you enjoy what it looks like. Yes, but, but they're all killing each other. Well, I mean, no, one, 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 but some, one, some people one, like what two, that looks like. One That's or two cool. athletes, the other, the other is just like, you know, like to quote Cornette, it's like some mud show bullshit. Dude, they agreed to it. The people there liked it. Matt Cardona is thriving in it. He's having a blast. Uh, and you three are still losers. <laughs> Change your opinion on it. There's time. All right. What's your low spot this week, Scott? Oh, man. My low spot, speaking in New Japan. This goddamn show at the Tokyo oh, Dome on Sunday. I, I, maybe, maybe that's my love spot too, but go so, on. So, so Kota Ibushi uh, was supposed to be in the main event fighting Shingo Takagi. He has pneumonia, so he was not in the main event. And they announced it like a few hours before the show. They didn't even say it a week before or a few days before. It was a few hours before the show, so Tanahashi was in the main event, which, cool, that's fine. Uh, the arena looks completely empty. I mean, to be in a Tokyo Dome, it's, it just makes it even more embarrassing. Uh, so it's pretty much empty. Th- there was a match. It was the uh, Dangerous Techers, which is Zack Sabre Jr. And uh, come on, what's his name, man? You tai Chi. Him. Yeah, and Tai Chi, right? Versus uh, Sonata and Naito. It was for the tag titles. It was a 40-minute match for the tag titles, which is just, you know... Uh, a pain in the ass to get through it just it just wasn't fun she should never be in a 40 minute match dude yeah and then and then to top it all off you know this main event happens which i think went 30 something minutes uh it it was a good main event i like the main event but then shingo takagi is celebrating his victory and evil comes out and and beats him up so now they're doing their next big show is at a baseball stadium and the main event is going to be Shingo versus Evil for the title, which is the worst. It's just the worst. Wouldn't it, would it have been really funny people, if, people, like, the yeah. same week that, like, the Olympics is all empty, if the Tokyo Dome was full for wrestling? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think that, man, it's like, like, I even, like, I've wanted to go to Tokyo for years. I want to go to Japan. Like, guys, get your shit together, okay? Like, take the fucking vaccine. And are you are you gonna disagree with me on this one, Scott? Or are you? Oh no, I agree with you, man. I, I want to go. I want to go to Tokyo. Get the fucking yeah. vaccine, guys. Vaccine on a pole match. Yeah, because this is like, I mean, just the Olympics itself. It's like the amount that you have to spend to even get the bid and get you know, and it, it's supposed to be a showcase for your city. It looks so fucking sad, man. 
Yeah, I think it was a situation where they're like, okay, we'll capitalize. You know, so last year it couldn't happen. You got to push it back another year. You want to like capitalize on the possibility of things being open. And then as it approaches, you realize that's not going to happen and you're stuck with it. I mean, I don't know how the Olympics works, but it's probably a situation of like, nope, you got it. You got it. It's I mean, happening. Think about it. In, in Japan, they're wrestling in front of empty crowds. And in America, you could be smothered by blood like you're at a fucking Gallagher show. Yeah. <laughs> Robert, what was your low For spot now. this week? Uh, so I, I had two. The first was the uh, Karrion Cross keith Lee match on Raw, which was the weirdest course correction that they possibly could have come up with, which was, oh, you're mad that Keith Lee lost last week? You're mad that Karrion Cross lost last week? We're going to put them against one another so that no matter who wins, everybody's still pissed. Uh, on top of which, Keith Lee w- uh, loses uh, where he seemed like he was going to make a heroic babyface comeback and then just taps. But uh, Karrion Cross did not look dominant at all. It was a real train wreck. Vince is doing everything he can on the week of Triple H's birthday to uh, to just fuck him over. Yeah, and then the suplex uh, on the outside was pretty good. Like the match itself was pretty good. Well, Robert, I'm, not- I'm glad I'm glad you brought up the fact that it Karrion Cross didn't like Karrion Cross went over, but he did not look good going over. Nobody cared, and I think anyone that would have been invested in the match was just irritated that these two were fighting each other. Yeah, the audience was was flat for it. Uh, Kansas City did not know really who Karrion Cross was. It was it was disjointed. It was weird, and it's what Vince is going to use to say, "Yeah, this guy is not over." Uh, the the other low point for me for this week, I was watching SmackDown on Friday, and I had a flashback to being in middle school where I'm trying to talk about the best of wrestling to blank faces. And that was the Rolling Loud Festival where they (laughs) aired. They gave the best that SmackDown had that would have really played well for a hip hop audience, which was the Street Profits introduced by Wale and Bianca Belair. And that audience could not give a fuck. And it It was maybe wonder why the fuck are we doing this podcast? It looked awesome. If you watched it on mute, the the big crowd with the fireworks and everything looked amazing, but it was so uncomfortable to watch. It encapsulated the awkwardness of my of my youth of being a fan, of being the only wrestling fan. And when you try to show the best of what there is and everybody shits on it was Wale introduces the Street Profits. They come out there and there is less than no reaction. All you see are people talking to each other and on their phones. It is so unbelievably uncomfortable. It's almost avant-garde at how uncomfortable it is to watch this. Yeah. And, uh, oh, go on. Well, I was going to say it's unfortunate because what I really want in wrestling is different backdrops to the fights. You know, I know AEW did it with the Jericho Cruise. Uh, I know they're doing a state fair. I hope they sell tickets to to their part of wherever they're performing at the state fair, because you can't do it this way. I mean, visually so cool, but just make sure the people there uh, want to be there. It was, yeah, I, I, I've done shows like this where people don't know a show is happening. And then you go, Hey, what the, what the fuck's up? And everyone goes, why are you cursing, man? We're trying to eat spaghetti, you know? <laughs> and that's what it felt like. People just wanted to see whoever was performing that night, Lil Yachty or whatever. And, and, and they got, you know, not that. Yeah, the, the, my, one of my problems with this, too, is that I feel like in the second week that you're coming back into live crowds, I think it's a fuck you to Cleveland also. That- well, here's why it's not. They did do matches for them. They did, like, uh, 
like six man i think a six man tag yeah, no, they, they definitely had a six man tag and then they, they had a main match. event afterwards yeah they did yeah, but I, I still it's like in that first few months at least make me feel like i'm excited like i i, I would feel like an afterthought if i paid for that cleveland ticket and they're like here's this from this place like, oh brother yeah you definitely missed raw because there's moments in raw where you're like wait you're doing this in front of people like, you know, yeah. don't show your tiny weenie to everybody. Like, that's what it felt like. Like, just some uh, embarrassing. I, I thought moments. they were fine to the Cleveland crowd, but the, Dude, the there Rolling was Loud. embarrassing moments on Raw that Rolling I felt so Loud bad for that rough. crowd. Well, and Rolling Loud, it's also a very, because, yeah, like, I've done sets at festivals where, like, they, yeah, they clearly don't want you and everything. And it's like, even the match lengths, like, because, like, the week before it was like Bianca. And Carmelo went like what, like 11, 12 minutes. And then this was like five. It was like very cognizant of how much do we think this crowd will tolerate? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then you fucked up because like you didn't even have Bianca on Money in the Bank on your pay per view to do the rematch here. So I think it was like a, yeah, a, a, a dumb move all around. One high spot from SmackDown that we didn't talk about is like it's how much i love Sami Zayn. Sami Zayn is definitively beaten the ring by Finn Balor and at the end of the match he still he still holds up a two count to the ref. It's such like a great little heel touch. Though my low point this week folks uh, wasn't a match, it wasn't a promo. It was a quote from Peter Avalon about his new stable the Wingmen and it is the Wingmen is like a delicious italian sandwich. It's a bunch of meats put together and it's delicious. I love it. <laughs> oh man, is he trying to make us go vegan? <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was on he was on Celebrity Family Feud this week with our cat and and RJ City, I think. Yeah, oh, you really uh, serve the gauge, the gauge cut now. <laughs> <laughs> hey folks, before uh, we get to the plugs, I, I said I would announce it on the show. Uh, the We Must Hate Ourselves World Cup, which we're having the first round start at the Roast of Lawrence Taylor to commemorate football season. I'm going to read you guys the matches. Are you excited? Yeah, All right. Well, uh, yes. Some yeah, I just answer. realized that Bononi sounds like an Italian meat. <laughs> it does. It does. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, our, first, uh, our first match will be QT Marshall versus Woo. who? Next. The Yeti versus Techno so, Team. So who versus who? <laughs> the next. So why versus who? Why versus who? Yeah. Next, the Yeti versus Techno Team Two Thousand. Fake Razor and Diesel versus the Final Solution. The Shockmaster versus Kazarni. Gobbledygooker <sighs> versus the Zodiac. Mantar versus Duke the Dumpster Drossy. Oklahoma versus TL Hopper. The Anonymous GM versus Arachnaman. Orlando sexual predator Jordan versus Friar Ferguson, Beaver Cleavage versus the Librarian, Eugene versus that seventies guy, Naked Midian versus Stuttering Matt Morgan, Kerwin White versus Isaac Yankum, Seven versus Saba Simba, Red Rooster versus Akeem, and finally Santa Claus versus Oz. So, I mean, this is going to take us about seven months. I realized it's uh, it's going to be pretty brutal, guys. Um, so, uh, 
you know, get your barf bag ready. Pretty brutal is a great way to advertise a long-term thing on the show. <laughs> this is a terrible idea that you're all going to suffer through for the next seven months. But thank you for listening. Guys, it, it, it wasn't fun to read, and it's going to be even less fun to listen to. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll Keep see. the stuff we're bringing back New Japan Corner. <laughs> if you guys hate it, if, if you guys get into it, we'll keep doing it. If you guys don't get into it, uh, we'll just say QT Marshall won. <laughs> um before i leave please leave a five star oh let me talk about next week we got the rest of lex luger for our show in hell segment we're going to be doing the famous tight shirt promo which is in the signature of the show it's an indie show it's great we're going back to a re- review in dynamite instead of my dynamite or fizzle i'm calling it dynamite or dud because i love alliteration uh wait for our twitterverse question and for grimmicks we're going to have the narcissist or the model rick martell so two actually really fun gimmicks and we're going to decide which one's better uh please leave a five-star review on itunes we want to get that five star five-star review from me people leave a review in general uh like i said before uh we've got a bunch of additional shows for a five dollar tier we got a bunch of additional shows for a ten dollar tier tier it's the best patreon in the business join our youtube or facebook follow us on twitter and post about us on message boards mike uh yeah you get uh at, at uh you know mike lawrence comedy on instagram and uh sometimes i'm on the facebook page uh talking to our fans and uh yeah love our fans and um you will uh not see me at a gcw show but you will see scott because he obviously loves it scott uh, i don't love gcw i just I respect a person's right to have an abortion that is GCW. (laughs) (laughs) I hope I made myself clear. (laughs) Uh, Scott underscore Chaplin on uh, Twitter and Instagram and follow the WrestleRoast Twitter and follow us on a Patreon. I just did a Jay White Patreon. That was a lot of fun. So get on it. Robert? Yes, thank you for following us on WrestleRoast Twitter just to stick it to QT Marshall. Who, <laughs> yeah, thank uh, you guys for getting us Oh, thank you, yes. Yes, for getting us over a 1,000 followers. So we're finally getting that QT rub that uh, <laughs> we've been hoping for here. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at WWCreative underscore ISH. You know what? You know, you know what, Robert, what you could do is just change your w give up your wwe creative twitter that you've worked so hard on <laughs> Russell roast uh so we have that two hundred twenty-eight thousand fucking followers yeah can you just and do then, it for a week so we get qt yeah and then message yeah, robert die with us jump off this bridge with us <laughs> and yeah, we'll, like, i'm going to sacrifice for the chance to talk to the riveting <laughs> qt marshall <laughs> Yeah, I mean, dude, in a begrudging interview that he doesn't want to do, it'll be fun. <laughs> as if, like, the universe doesn't already hate me. For some reason, on Facebook, he keeps coming up as people you should be friends with. <laughs> it's the, like, I don't know what I've done wrong in my life where my suggested friend is QT Marshall. It's funny because uh, QT got his entire career based on people he should be friends with. <laughs> <laughs> All right, folks, we'll see you. Uh next friday for the roast of lex luger and if you're a member of our patreon you'll get the roast of smashing pumpkin slash nwa owner billy corgan this monday see you soon